Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 7. The Bible says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, it devoured and break in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns. Behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. A mouth speaking great things. Tonight, for the next little while, or long while, uh, we ran out of water in the back, and we kind of all forgot and I knew there was some Mountain Dews back in the refrigerator I said I guess I could go get one of those but me and caffeine caffeine really affects me and so to spare an hour and a half later us finishing tonight I just said man we won't do that <laughs> I won't do that anyway amen but we're going to talk about a little bit here this evening we've talked in great depth over the past couple of weeks about the three beasts under two different schools of thought. And can I ask just, and I want some clarification here from the people that come normally, okay? Me going through two different schools of thought on those first three beasts, did that help you or did that just confuse you more? Because there's, did that help you or did that confuse you more? Going through the two different main schools of thought. Because I could see how it could go either way. You could somehow get, say what? Do it one more time. The podcast of both of those services are up. If you need help finding it, we'll aid you in that. We'll put you on the buddy system and hook you up with someone who knows how to do it. <clears throat> and I am by, because I talked to my wife at great depth concerning this. And uh, thank you, dear. Isn't she a wonderful darling? And uh, I talked to my wife at great depth of this, and I didn't want... Uh, having explored the two different schools of thought to be confusing didn't want to add to your confusion and that's pardon me makes you think a little bit more so I ain't necessarily going to do that with everything because there's some there's schools and schools of thought and it takes us longer than to get to the end of the book of Daniel (laughs) but uh, I will perhaps whenever there's a chance maybe hit on when there may be a little different thinking that's going on there all right uh, the fourth beast and the little horn. That's what we're at tonight. I'm sorry, you may be seated. You've been sit or standing for a long time. But I'll stand just a little longer than you do, okay? Did I pray over this? We need God's help. Did I pray? Lord, we need, we need the anointing of the Lord upon our minds for what we're talking about. I guarantee you. You can sit. It's all right. They, they lay down praying, stood praying, said praying, God, help us tonight. Help our minds, Lord, and our hearts, Lord, as we look at your word. I pray, O oh Lord, for a spirit of understanding, a spirit of revelation, God, upon our minds and our eyes. God, as we again learn from your scriptures, in Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen, amen. Everybody say amen. And you don't want to enter into this without prayer. Somebody said that we didn't pray long enough over a few of these weeks, but uh, we're going to get into the word of the Lord. The fourth beast and the little, the little horn. And we, we got this parallel. And this, this is up from the past couple of weeks. And again, and I'm, I'm going to try to... I also asked my wife if I was talking too quick because sometimes I talk quick because I know I got a lot of material to cover. But uh, again, the image is from Daniel chapter number 2. The other four images or beasts is from Daniel chapter number 7. And we kind of got them together here for a correlation or a parallel. But uh, we talked the past couple of weeks... Uh, about the three beasts that arose from the sea. And the Bible speaks that after these three arose, that then there also came a fourth beast. Now, the fourth beast that is spoken of in Daniel chapter number 7 is very much so as each beast was diverse or different from the other, the fourth beast is diverse or different from the others that had preceded it. In that, whenever we talked about the first beast aligned with eagle's wings, we can all relate to what a lion is we we've seen a lion we've been in the zoo brother mason needs his reading glasses <laughs> praise the lord and uh and, and so an eagle's wings well we can edit that from the podcast and, and, and eagle's wings <laughs> oh we might need to pray a second time so we can re- we know what a lion is you know if you've been to a zoo you've been alive upon this earth for many many days you know what a lion is you know what an eagle is or if we talk about a bear we all know what a bear is or we talk about a leopard we start getting a visual picture about what that is but when we come to the fourth beast uh, its description is not anything uh, that can be related to something that came from a zoo or from a circus or any animal that uh, domesticated or non-domesticated that we can relate with uh, there are a few features that are spoken of this of this fourth beast that we can relate with it speaks about it having teeth we can relate with that okay uh, we can it talks about it having feet okay i can relate with that horns okay i can relate with that but but none of these has been exactly like the other and so they've all been diverse or different from one another and so the, the general description and you you see my little picture up here and you might say well that's a dragon well i'm not trying to depict a dragon it's just a beast all right it's got claws it's got horns it's got uh, all this stuff but nevertheless the description in daniel chapter number seven the general description of the fourth beast is as follows whenever you read uh, the scriptures concerning it this is how it describes the fourth beast dreadful and terrible it describes it as strong exceedingly that it has great iron teeth tells us about its teeth that it's iron teeth in verse 19 further down it will even tell us that its nails are nails of brass Uh, it speaks about this beast some of the things that it does that it devoured and break in pieces that's what this beast did or does or will do rather stamped what remained or the residue if you will with its feet that it has and again that is diverse from all the other beasts and that this particular beast had 10 10 horns that was upon it and whenever we consider some of these traits that this beast had uh, for instance stamping the remainder of the residue with its feet or uh, its actions of devouring and breaking in pieces whenever we consider some of these traits and we read through those 
your mind should start to drift backward a little bit to Daniel chapter number 2 because some of the things that this fourth beast in Daniel chapter 7 is mentioned as doing corresponds to or parallels some of the things that happens in the fourth kingdom of the iron legs of the image that Daniel or that Nebuchadnezzar seen in Daniel chapter number 2 if you remember uh, those those iron legs there they're strong iron legs and the Bible spoke of them those legs in Daniel chapter number 2 that they broke in pieces speaking of them and the feet that are part iron part clay uh, if you remember one is 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 the depicts Rome the other depicts Rome restored or Rome revived so we're still talking about Rome Remember, uh, Rome just went through a process that she kind of fell apart and we're waiting for the day that she comes back in full restoration. So so the iron legs and the the feet that's part iron and part clay represent Rome in its entirety, maybe old Rome falling apart and then coming back and reviving. But whenever it speaks of those things in Daniel chapter number 2, it speaks of them as breaking in pieces speaks as those feet is breaking in pieces. It speaks of uh, those subduing all things. It speaks of those subduing all things. It, it speaks of them bruising, all right? It speaks of those, those feet and toes. It speaks of the feet and toes that are part arm, part clay, uh, just to name a few. The, it speaks some of the similar things that this fourth beast in Daniel chapter number 7 speaks of so they're devouring they're breaking in pieces they're consuming they're stamping uh, the residue of all things if we can reference Daniel 2 and verse 40 just to see this for our uh, you know reaching backwards here just for a moment Daniel 2 and verse 40 and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things and as iron that breaketh all things shall it break in pieces and Bruised. Now, the legs of iron in Nebuchadnezzar's image were the fourth kingdom in Daniel chapter number 2. Amen. And unlike, unlike any that was before it, any of the other kingdoms that was before it, uh, the metal that was in the iron legs continued down into the feet. Uh, if you'll remember, you will note that whenever the Bible in Daniel 2 started to talk about the feet that's part iron, part clay, it doesn't represent that to you and I as a fifth kingdom. No, it seems like a later development of the fourth kingdom or a continuation, if you will, of the fourth kingdom, all right? So it doesn't, doesn't separate them as a different kingdom, but a continuation or a further development of the fourth kingdom, which was the kingdom of Rome. Again, remember... I'm just trying to bring this to our forefront for our purpose right here. Rome never was truly completely destroyed or taken away or taken over. It simply fell apart internally, morally and spiritually. It fell apart. And if you'll notice in your one little sheet tonight, as I said, depicted for you is a history of those who were trying to revive Rome ever since Rome kind of fell apart. And there are many, many individuals who were trying to get Rome back on its feet. And as you read through there, there are some interesting things that come about in the attempts. And it even comes down to the modern day, speaking of how the European Union uh, that we spoke on on several occasions could in fact be somewhat of a reviving of the Roman Empire. And you'll see some of the history uh, delineated there in that. But again... The iron and the clay, the iron and the clay that's in the feet. Uh, 
again, not a fifth kingdom, just a continuation or a further development of the fourth kingdom, an extension of it, if you will. Even uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee says this, whenever it speaks about in Daniel 7, the ten horns that are on the fourth beast, he said the ten horns grow out of the beast denoting a later development, not a separate kingdom. We're not talking about a separate kingdom even with the ten horns that are on the fourth beast. Again, it's just a further development. It's just another stage, uh, if you will, of the empire of Rome. In Daniel 17, 17, and also Daniel 7 and verse 23, Daniel 7, 17, we've looked at this more than one time, it told us very plainly, and you can't get this wrong, that these beasts, the four, are four kings. And then further in verse number 23, it plainly tells us that the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth. Now, this is my opinion here this evening that the fourth beast of Daniel chapter number 7 corresponds then with the legs of iron and the feet of part iron, part clay in Daniel chapter number 2. Again, we saw the fourth kingdom under Rome in Daniel chapter number 2 through various stages. It fell apart and then it speaks of the time of feet the feet of iron and clay and the toes thereof that is the reviving the, t- the, the confederation that's trying to regroup and come back together as the revived Roman Empire again it never truly died it just kind of fell apart in a certain essence and is trying to be revived and with that being said then I believe then the fourth beast that's in Daniel chapter number 7 is a representation of the exact same thing of the legs and the feet in Daniel chapter number 2 does everybody understand what I'm talking about all right. With that being said, though, then what's this Roman Empire revived? We've looked at this. We've considered the one world government, but what's this Roman uh, revived empire? Could it be the United Nations? It may. Could it be the European Union? It may. Could it be something entirely different that's yet to come up on the scene? It, it, could, possibly, it could possibly be. In verse, in verse number 7 tonight of Daniel 7, note concerning this fourth beast that there are two particular aspects, amen, denoted. It speaks of its great iron teeth and the residue stamped with its feet. Again, if you will remember in Daniel chapter number 2, the fourth kingdom of the legs of iron and then goes and talks about the feet that's part iron, part clay. The fourth kingdom is described the legs are of what iron there's the metal again iron this fourth beast that we speak of in daniel 7 has great teeth as iron and then the feet of part iron part clay is mentioned as a continuation or later stage or further development of the kingdom of rome in daniel 2 and daniel chapter number 7 the finality of all things seem to be determined again by the feet, the feet that stamp out the residue that remains. A Roman Empire and a revived Roman Empire. What one did not crush, because remember, Rome's that, they rule with the iron fists. They were known for not just uh, overtaking people, but just kind of really breaking them in pieces, uh, uh, pulling them from themselves, totally uh, just destroying them. That was Rome's known for. But what the Roman Empire did not crush, the revived Roman Empire is going to finish off. All right? And if you will remember, where we spoke about this image in Daniel 2, we tried not to place so much emphasis on, you know, two arms, 
You remember, we talked about, you know, they show up folded. There's nothing in Scripture says those arms were folded, you know. And say Some people say, well, that's Medo and that's Persia. Yo, you know, whatever. <laughs> but but, but, but we, we, and we speak about, you know, the, 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 the two legs and some want to talk about Rome, the split division of the Roman Empire between the eastern and the western. Uh, and we're just talking about this as an image of a man is what we deduce and we try not to place too much emphasis on all of his anatomy it's just a normal anatomy hopefully of a man you know however everybody says however (laughs) however normally I think we all are somewhat normal (laughs) normally we have ten toes that are on our feet or five toes per foot making ten toes and so with that looking through the lens of Daniel chapter 7 now that we received a little more information. Back then, it's two feet. But now, we're, we're, our learning, our understanding is progressive. We're building upon what we have learned and we're adding to. And Daniel's, Daniel 7 and what happened in his dream gives us a little further enlightenment and revelation. And so whenever we then start to consider, and I'm just considering the 10 factor, okay, that there are 10 horns on this fourth beast could it be possible that there is some significance that just the normality of a man would have ten toes? And now we have ten horns that are being stated here. Some light that may be shining upon that. And that later in the book of Revelation we would see this ten number again also represented in the horns. Again, because just the legs and the feet represented Rome and revived Rome. This fourth beast, all in of itself, represents Rome and revived Rome. And so ten toes, all right. Ten ten horns, all right. Book of Revelation, we see ten horns as well. We see it in Revelations 13 and Revelation 17. If you'll allow me to just extract the scripture of Revelation 17. And, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So we're seeing the ten horns in the book of Revelation are ten kings. In Daniel 2, they could be seen as ten normal toes existing simultaneously. Remember, they're not in succession because there's no way that they could, uh, uh, they're simultaneously, because in the time of those kings, the Bible says there will come that stone that's cut without hands and will penetrate those ten toes so it's not that they're serving in succession one does and another one comes on no 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 they're serving all at the same time they are serving together simultaneously uh, but they're not too too grouped together they're loosely uh, confederated because clay and iron don't mix very well together they don't adhere to each other very well and so what this is stating to us because we're looking when you look at the feet you're looking at something that's still in front of us When you look at the ten horns on the fourth beast, you're looking at something that's still ahead of you. When you look at the ten horns in the book of Revelation, you're looking at something that is still ahead of you. That it could be relaying to you and I that there will be a confederacy of ten uh, kingdoms or kings in the latter days that will be ruling powers in the last days. And we begin to ask ourselves then, who or what could this ruling confederacy be? Or what form could they be? And what form could this revival, Rome, revived Roman Empire exist? Again, we consider it. The revived Roman Empire, could it be the United Nations? 
Perhaps it could be the United Nations. We've looked at some different reasons what makes us think perhaps it could be the United Nations. Amen. It could fit the bill. Uh, in the book, The Great Seal of the United States, there is mention of the Club of Rome and how their plans for a one-world government that they propose that through the United Nations, the whole world would be divided. This is what they proposed in this, that the whole world through the United Nations would be divided into 10 economic regions that they call kingdoms. And through these regions, the whole world would be controlled economically. 10, by normality, 10 toes on our feet, 10 horns, Daniel 7, Revelation 13 and 17, 10 horns, and they say the United Nations would like to divide the world into 10 regions economically and so that they could somehow rule economically and control the world through those 10 regions. Now, that's a very interesting scenario whenever we start talking about this number 10. Amen. The exact number that's been spoken of. And if the whole purpose of the United Nations as it's set up to be and what it wants to do, if it will truly attain it, then it could probably be a fulfillment of this prophecy. It's an option, if you will. But likewise, what about the European Union? And this, this, this is not a coincidence in my mind, but likewise, the European Union has divided the world into 10 regions. They've already divided it into 10 regions. You can go uh, to their website right there. I got it listed for you. You can go to the website and you can go and click on the little, on the left-hand side, it says where. It will bring up a map. And, the, and we're already, as a nation, as a world, uh, under the European Union, divided into 10 regions. And those 10 are right before you. North America, Central America, and Caribbean being as one. South America, Western Europe, Western Europe, and Central Asia. Mediterranean, Middle East, Africa, Northeast, and South Asia. Southeast Asia, Australia, and Pacific. Already the European, the European Union has the world divided into 10 regions. Again, it just seems peculiar uh, that we have 10 toes, 10 horns, and we're all talking about this that is still yet to come in, in, in a power, amen, that's going to be. And here these entities, these institutions, United Nations and uh, uh, the European Union, uh, United Nations where they got accomplished yet with 10 divisions economically, but European Union already has got this accomplished with the 10 regions. It would be quite possible. Now think about it for a moment. If you got 10 regions, if you got 10 regions that are set up, it's highly possible then that there is probably managers or people that are over a region. Amen? And so we're talking about if they call as far as the United Nations, these kingdoms and the people that are over them, that manage them, if we could superimpose kings, then we're looking at possibilities and options from other things we've learned about the United Nations and the European Union, how this can all fall into place and be a possibility or an option for us. So there's, there's at least a couple of possibilities and the Lord only knows if he has another way of setting up maybe another possibility before us before the end of time. Amen would even come. But nevertheless, Daniel 7 and verse number 23, the Bible says, thus, saith, thus he saith, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and this is the phrase, and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces again consider it's going to devour the fourth beast this kingdom will devour the whole earth 
And so that's very, listen, that's very quite possible through the United Nations or through the European Union if the whole world is divided into ten regions. It's possible for full consumption of the world if these entities have power and control over the whole world by it being divided into ten regions or ten kingdoms. Again, which may very well necessitate a person to manage a kingdom or manage a region. All right, is everybody okay? Amen. What then is revealed next in Daniel chapter number 7? In Daniel 7 was not revealed in Daniel 2. So we've been looking at this fourth beast. The Roman Empire, the revived Roman Empire, ten toes, ten horns, okay, this type of stuff. The fourth beast. But what is revealed next in Daniel 7 was not revealed in Daniel chapter number 2. Because the Bible speaks that among now these ten horns. All right? And so there's something coming after these ten horns are put into place. That's important. That's important for you and I. That's important for any Johnny come lately that's going to be left around. That after these ten come into place is going to come, the Bible says, a little horn that's going to come among the ten. And that little horn that you could say was, could be the eleventh, all right, is going to come and pluck up three of the ten that exist. And this little horn the Bible speaks of is going to have the horn. It's going to have eyes and a mouth. Features of a man, if you will. The Bible tells us in verse number 8 that this little horn is going to speak, speaking great things. Now, I very quickly want to take you to Revelation, and we'll dabble in this more when we get to Revelation. But there's a lot of parallels between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Revelation 13, the Bible says, And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? Verse number 5, And there was given unto him the beast a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 7, 8, the little horn that arises has eyes and the mouth, and he's speaking great things. This is speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue 40 and 2 months. Now, folks, the little horn may be more than just a kingdom. The little horn, I might even say, is more than just a kingdom or an empire or just a man. He is also, it's more than just a kingdom empire, it's a man, it's a man of a kingdom. It's a man of an empire, eyes of a man, mouth of a man that is speaking. And according to verse number 20 tonight of Daniel 7, this little horn, all right, which was what verse 8 calls it, calls it a little horn, all right? But in verse 20 it speaks that this little horn that was coming on the scene that they described as little, by verse 20, they described was more stout than his fellows. He's more stout and more pronounced than the ten that preceded him. He's more stout than his fellows or the other horns or, if you will, the other kingdoms and the other kings. Now, now this is just me personally, my opinion. I want to preface whenever I say that, whenever I think something's just my opinion, so that you don't, you know, say, well, I'll tell you what, this is what the Bible, what the Bible says, this is just what I think, okay? That, that's just about as, that's just about as uh, shallow as a creek in the hot summertime, you know. Uh, 
I believe that adjective little in verse number eight, describing and ascribed to the horn, listen to me. I believe whenever it speaks of the little horn, here in the beginning of verse number eight, and ascribes it to that horn, that it's really relaying a sense of innocence. A sense of innocence to this horn. First observed just to be something as innocent, yet in reality, as it goes further, verse 20, it's more stout than his fellows, that there comes a realization that it is a threat of great power. I, I personally believe that whenever this little horn, and folks, this little horn that we're speaking of, this little horn is the Antichrist. Hear me. This little horn is the Antichrist. That he'll come on the scene and be, by all observations, a little horn. It will be seemingly as a very innocent scheme, a very innocent introduction. He's going to be helping the nations, helping you and I with some real problems and turmoil that we have going on in our world come in as innocence. But before it's all shook down, those who are around are going to understand this, what seemed and appeared like innocence is something of great power, great authority, and by all means a great threat, all right? Um, much we didn't even say today, much of the acceptance and I, I don't plan on being here but much of the acceptance of the Antichrist or the little horn and the tactics if you will of the Antichrist uh, will be adopted I believe because they're going to see it just as innocence they're going to see it as solutions as no real threat I mean who walks into something that they know is for sure a real threat the Antichrist is going to operate off the same basis that the devil's worked off for years. He'll come in with deceptions and lies. Mm -hmm. It's going to come in with deceptions and lies. Do you not think for a moment that in the first little deceiving moment between Adam and Eve that she did not see what he was even uh, uh, relaying to her as something that was innocent? Uh-huh. But before you know it, the serpent had bit, so to speak, and it was something of a real, real, real threat. Now, this is the calamity of the world that have no idea about the Bible. The calamity of the world that have no idea about the Bible is this. The Antichrist will come, the little horn will rear itself in the last day of those ten kings, whether they are the ten regions of the United Nations or, or, or the European Union or something else. That little horn is going to rise, the Antichrist is going to come, and they're going to revere him as God. Mm -hmm. but heaven through Daniel's own vision sees him as a beast without without any spiritual perception he's a god with spiritual perception you see him as he is not innocent but stout even above his fellows he is a threat the Bible says in Daniel chapter number 7 and verse 21, uh, this is speaking again about this same horn, this little horn, the Antichrist, if you will, I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So let's observe a few little details here according to scripture about the little horn or the antichrist if you will the antichrist is going to come and will make war with the saints now i'm not stopping here to go through this but i will perhaps next week because we got to define what saints are that daniel was speaking of in daniel chapter number seven because a lot of times when people read saints they're thinking about modern day we're thinking about us calling each other saints we're the church we're the saints i'm going to be around during the time of the antichrist and he's going to make war against me 
But we got to also consider the Old Testament understanding of the children of Israel and the Israelites that were deemed saints as well. And much what Daniel, remember, is writing in the book of Daniel either relates to the Gentiles or it's relating to the Jews, the Israelites. Remember, in the mind of Daniel, he didn't have a concept concerning the church. The Bible speaks about the church being a mystery in the book of Ephesians that was revealed in the time of the New Testament. All right? Amen. And, and, and so I'm not getting into a big long explanation there, but just enough to so someone don't start going, <gasps> and you're going to have panic attacks on your way home tonight and not sleep because, my God, I'm going to be around during the time of the Antichrist. Well, again, I guess you have a choice in that. Okay, so, so he makes war with the saints. He prevails against the saints. Now, this is just for a time, all right? It will, it will continue until the ancient of day comes. What happens? Well, you've got these, these ten kings or kingdoms. The little horn arises, which is the Antichrist. He starts to work his pernicious ways and starts to take dominion and power militarily, economically, and he's a powerful rule. And then all of a sudden, Christ comes back, not the rapture, but his second coming to set up his millennial reign of a thousand years on the earth. And he brings his church with him as kings and priests. And he sets up his kingdom and he says... This is enough of this nonsense. Amen. So uh, the Antichrist is going to prevail until the Lord comes back to set up his kingdom upon this earth. Amen. And then the Bible says at that time, judgment will be given to the saints. Again, we'll have to define what saints is what saints. <laughs> Whose saints are you? Amen. Uh, what saints are what saints? And they will possess the kingdom, the scripture says. Amen. But going on then in verse 25, a little further, what, what about this little horn? What about this antichrist? And he shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand unto a time and times and the dividing of time. Now, a little further observation concerning this little horn of the antichrist or this stout one that's more so than his fellows. He will speak great words words particularly against the most high speak great words against God uh, he will wear out the saints of the most high thirdly he will think which literally means intend in the Hebrew that he will intend to change times and laws and then it says they will be given to him for a time and times and the dividing of time they uh, there's a few things that can be collective in that in that word they in other words that the times and the laws will be given to him for a time and times and the dividing of time but also the saints that it has been speaking about will be given to him for a time and times and a dividing of time now consider with me for a moment times and laws Such, it'll be given unto the antichrist or this little horn times and laws he will intend or he thinks to change times and laws. Now, uh, there are some, I don't know this for a fact, but there's a possibility that in some, some means or some way that he may try to change our calendar. There have been others throughout history who have tried to do that, and they learned that this shouldn't be so because God ordained the seasons as they are, and when you start messing with the length or the shortness, length or shortness, this kind of really garbles things up all across the world. But there's a possibility they could try to change our calendar. Some even impose that since our calendar is greatly divided by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there will be some finagling perhaps, amen, with that or some alteration in some other ways. But what I want to concentrate on here for a little bit concerning the Antichrist and particularly uh, uh, the spirit of the Antichrist 
is that we live in a society right now, uh, it's harder to see now than what it was, but we live in a society whose laws are based upon a Judeo-Christian system, Judeo-Christian standard. In reality, that's how we were first formed, based upon a Judeo-Christian standard. Uh, and as a result of that, such things like adultery and incest and rape and murder and child pornography, all that was not couth. It was illegal. And the reason why they were considered illegal is because God, in his word, said such things were sin. And by and large, what God deemed as sin in his word, we as a nation adopted and then put that within our laws and confederation that it is illegal. But times are changing, aren't they? I felt the Holy Ghost today as I did some inquiry. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And the writer says, And even now, hear me now, even now already is it in the world. There will be revealed in the last days a kingdom and a, a man over the kingdom as the Antichrist. But the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in our world right now. And since the spirit, Brother Mason, of the Antichrist is already at, at work in the world right now, then it's no surprise or it shouldn't be a surprise for you and I to see that there is even now a constant urge to change laws that were formulated 200 and excess years ago by different countries and nations and now we're moving from those convictions. Hear me today. According, according to a website called infoplease.com, it stated, I want to know how many countries are there in the world. It told me that there, presently today there are 196 countries, 196 countries in the world today. Now this is a side note. I want to do a little infomercial, a little commercial here real quick concerning the United Nations because on that same page it told me that uh, uh, of those 196 countries, 192 countries are already United Nations members in other words the United Nations is just what six subtract two is just four countries in the world away from having a full monopoly of involvement of all of the countries that are presently represented in the world interestingly interesting I think so Amen. But according, going a little further here. Uh, uh, anyway, according to a list that, that I looked up, and there's another website if you want to go these and try these out yourself, www.whichcountry.co. You can ask several different uh, questions, you know, which country have ho hogs as their national emblem? Or, you know, you can just go ask all kinds of weird stuff. But I wanted to ask about something in particular. And I wanted to ask uh, uh, about abortion, just in particular. And whenever I went there, it told me and it listed them that only 50 of those 196 countries in the world today, only 50 of them count abortion as being illegal. Only 50 out of 196 count it as being illegal. Is there changing trends from the beginning of time? Are we escaping our judo-Christian 
beliefs and heritage? Yes. Why is this happening? Because the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work even today. There are several laws in our own United States. If we want to kind of narrow the focus, let's not look at the world. Let's just look at the United States. There are several laws in our own United States that have no doubt you know have changed over the years. For instance, several states have lessened the offense of possessing marijuana. Amen. In some of the states, they have changed the offense of possession. What used to be a felony now is just a misdemeanor. Just a misdemeanor now. It was a felony, but now we've lightened the load. You know, ain't that big of a deal. It's just a misdemeanor now. Other states have adopted the use of marijuana as for medicinal purposes. Medicinal use. It's legal because we'll use it medicinally. However, uh, you know, and I'm talking about for personal use. I'm saying you're not necessarily given it uh, in a hospital uh, or some uh, try to care. If you want to go get something, you can. It's like over-counter drugs. If it is going to cure what else you, then you can use it medicinally. Marijuana, you can do that. Amen. Without any repercussions with the law. But on November the 6th, 2012, which hasn't been that long ago, the state of Colorado and the state of Washington became the first states to legalize the sale and possession of marijuana, not for medicinal use, but for recreational use. If you want to get marijuana just for fun and you want to get high, and you like to do this without any repercussions from the law, you could do it in the state of Colorado and in the state of Washington. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying the laws are being changed. That spirit of Antichrist, amen. You're, you, I know people are looking, man, I, I'm afraid whenever Antichrist is going to show up on the world and that man in that kingdom, honey, you better be afraid right now because the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. We don't have time to be lackadaisical as a church. We don't have time to just shrug our shoulders and say, who gives a care? Honey, his spirit is already at work. It'll be manifest one of these days, but it's already at work. There's already a, ta- a changing of times and laws before he ever steps his foot in his dominion. Times and laws, United States, U.S., United States marriages. Only 17 states have legal same-sex marriage. Of those 17, six was by court decision, eight by state legislature, and three by popular vote that those came into their states in that fashion. Six by court decision, eight by state legislature, and three by popular vote. And I really, whew, I really wiped my head for the three by popular vote. With that being said, then, 33 states of our United States ban same-sex marriage. 26 of those have been by constitutional amendment and state law. Three of them have been by constitutional amendment alone. And four of them have been by state law alone. You want to know where that information came from? You can go to www.gaymarriage.procon.org and they'll give you those stats. And it's up to date. They keep it up to date. Laws are changing. It's escaping and getting away from the judo-Christian foundation establishment that we had. My Bible says, 
I don't know if I found me a a soapbox today, but I felt like I did. Amen through this. My Bible says, and the Lord God said, speaking of Adam, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him unhelp meet for him. We go to verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. God says, I'm going to make a help meet for him. Some of my interpret, well, he made him another man. Not according to my Bible. He made him a woman and brought her unto the man. God did not bring another man to Adam to solve his aloneness dilemma and his aloneness problem. No, he made a woman for that man and brought that woman to that man in order to solve Adam's alone problem. And the Bible says that man and that one woman became one flesh in the sight of God. Now listen to me. I was a little ornery today. But whenever I begin to consider this, Brother Mason, that command that God gave this one man and this one woman, he told them to be fruitful and multiply. That would have been impossible if the first couple was a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And Sister Craig, since there were only two human beings on the earth at that time, they did not have an option for adopting. Somebody hear me? Say, you're not going to deprive us, amen, of having a child within our home. You can only do that because of the existence of men and women that got together and had children. If it were not for men and women getting together and having children, you men and men and women and women would not have the honor or privilege of a child. They couldn't do that in the early family. If it was a man and man, there would have been no children. Laws are being changed because the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work today. And folks, I don't, I don't think I have to preface. Amen. I love any homosexual that walk through our door or any lesbian that will walk through our door. I love that individual. They have a soul that needs to be saved. But their activity is a stench in the nostrils of God. You've got to separate the issue from the person. The issue is wrong and the person needs saved. It's already at work. Why are you talking about this like this tonight, Brother McGee? Because I think we always push this thing off as it's something far in the distance that's going to come and it's going to accumulate and it's going to come about. Honey, it's happening right underneath your nose. It's happening in the schools of your children. It's happening in your hospitals. It's happening in your government. You don't have to look very far to see it already at work. And let me ask you a question. Do you think it's going to be a great difficulty for the Antichrist whenever he does set up his kingdom and power when all of this craziness has already been taking place before he steps out? No, it's setting the platform and the stage for him to have dominion and control. Honey, we gotta be the church. We gotta be blood bought. We gotta be saved. We gotta stand for Jesus and let this world pass on by. Amen. In an article 
on CNN Opinion, dated December 2013. The writer Mark Goldfeder. It's entitled, here we go, laws are changing. It's time to reconsider polygamy. This is directly from the article that I read today. The time has come to address this discrepancy when the Supreme Court struck down the Federal Defense of Marriage Act in the United States versus Windsor in June, opening the door to federal recognition of same-sex marriage. It also set the stage for a discussion of plural marriage because the defense, the DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act defined marriage as a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife. And while the, 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 while the Defense of Marriage Act obviously it prohibited same-sex marriage, that is, by requiring that a marital unit consist of a man and a woman, so it eliminated and prohibited same-sex marriage. It also enshrined the prohibition against polygamy by requiring that such a union be between only one man, singular, and one woman. But whenever the court shut down the Defense of Marriage Act that said it's one man and one woman and to make that union, it takes those two as husband and wife. And they did that for the purpose of same-sex marriages. In with that then, or out the door went, you could have multiple then. If, it doesn't, if, it, if one man, one woman doesn't have to be there, then you can have five women. Or 20 men. Laws. Who in the world would even think that? The spirit of the Antichrist controlling someone's heart and controlling someone's mind would think about that. And folks, just listen to me here for a moment. Times and laws are, the little horn's going to arise. Times and laws are changing. And here, Pastor McGee, and I'm not standing here as a prophet today, but I, I use history as a good tool of prophecy. And let me tell you this, it will just be a matter of time. I don't know if it'll happen in your lifetime or mine, but it'll be just a, a matter of time before incest is legal, before pedophilia is legal, before unnatural affections with beasts and animals is legal. Nope. There's people that's died in their grave and they thought they would never see what we're seeing today. Let me tell you, some of us are going to be dead in our grave and there's going to be people committing incest and the court's going to say it's okay. There's going to be people taking advantage of children but they won't per se be taking advantage anymore because the law is going to allow it. How? Because the spirit of the Antichrist. going to happen mark my words <laughs> changing the laws I don't believe there will be a great struggle in that day yes those that are true blue and accounted unto the Lord or that maybe had any type of idea or conception of God yeah they might give a little bit of a resistance but if they couldn't live for God if they couldn't live for God when His Spirit still indwelt the earth, 
They couldn't live for God whenever there was a church still to attend on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every other extracurricular that we have. If you can't live for God now, you better think twice if you're going to be able to live for God whenever tribulation comes and you're left behind. Don't you tell me I'll straighten up then. Honey, if you can't straighten up now, you're not going to straighten up then. You better get your act together. You better get your act together. Say, well, I'll get a second chance, honey. Times are going to be a big time different from what they are now. It's going to be unlike we've ever seen, according to Scripture. Unlike we've ever seen or heard. I don't know where I'm at. Bible says that that little horn, the Antichrist, if you will, will be given these times and laws and or saints. And again, we'll try to work on defining that for everybody later, but not tonight. Be given to him for a time. And I'm mindful, folks. I got five minutes to wait for and I'll try to be done by then, okay? Be given to him for a time and times and the dividing of time. Again, if you look at a close counterpart or a parallel in the book of Revelation with Revelation 13, okay, that there was given to him, speaking of that beast or the Antichrist in that day. Let me just state this real quick, okay? What Daniel seen as the little horn that arose a stout than all the fellows among the ten in Daniel chapter number 7, and then the beast that John sees in Revelation 13 that had the body like a leopard, feet like a bear, the mouth like a lion, that had seven heads, and ten horns the little horn that Daniel seen has matured and John the beast that he sees is what the horn was for Daniel someone hear me right now the little horn what Daniel seen as the antichrist the whole conglomeration of the beast of what John says sees in Revelation 13 is in fact what the little horn was to Daniel the beast is the John it's the antichrist I don't know if it, we'll talk about that more later on, but I just thought I'd throw that in just to give a little clarity here. But so in this counterpart here, Revelation 13, 5, and there was given to him this beast, this little horn of this Antichrist, a mouth against speaking great things, blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue 40 and 2 months. So with the parallelism, the counterparts, we see times given to the little horn, a time and times dividing the time. So if we have this parallelism, this being a counterpart in the book of Revelation, it was given to him to continue for 42 months. Time and times in the dividing of time is 42 months. 42 months divided by 12 months in a year is three and a half years. Namely, the latter portion of the three and a half years of tribulation, which is denoted as the great tribulation. So in essence, a time in Daniel 7, a time is a year. Times two years is two years and the dividing of time if time is a year is half a year so one year two years three years three and a half years all right Whew. when we talk about this this those numbers that three and a half years those 42 months if you equate it down to 1260 days you say well that's not right we got 365 days in a year well, we all think that the calendar in the Bible is our calendar. You're wrong. 
And we'll look at this maybe further next week if someone wants me to. But in the book of Psalms, the Bible says that he gave them the moon for seasons. The, the, what they used was a lunar year, which consists of 30 days in a month. Every month has 30 days. Amen. Matter of fact, a good... Uh, I'm, really, I'm, I'm sorry. Is everybody... I'm sorry. If you look in the book of Genesis, where it speaks about Noah and the flood, Genesis chapter number 7, 8, 9, somewhere in there, probably 7. I'm thinking 7, because in 8 it's talking about their hearts were just as bad as they were after the flood. It was 7. Whenever it talks about the flood... It speaks about, I don't remember the right off the top of my head, I don't remember the month, but in a certain month of like the 17th day, Moses, or not Moses, get the right person in the, in the ark, amen. <laughs> Noah went into the ark, all right? You, it talks about whenever it rested upon the mount, it gives the month, and it's still the 17th day, I think I'm right in this. It is five months to the exact day from there. In between, you'll read how the waters were upon the earth for 150 days if there were five months and they're going by a linear a linear system of 30 days per month 30 times 5 is 150 150 days so you'll see later throughout scripture it speaks of 1260 days it's the 42 months it's the three and a half years you all right all right I'll end with this stand I've went over my time I'm so sorry Thomas Constable said this and this was just an interesting thing that he deduced or, or, or that whatever happened he said our Lord ministered again Jesus Christ didn't start his public ministry until around 30 years of age as a matter of fact in the Old Testament you had to be 30 years old in order to enter the high priesthood and so it correlates very well because he's our high priest and so around 30 and so for three and a half years he did ministry and so our Lord ministered on the earth three and a half years and the Antichrist uh huh the Antichrist will enact his satanic mystery for the same length of time. Now, there's something I want you to note, and I, I might have skipped over that somewhere here in all of my jumble here tonight. But in the Greek, the prefix anti, that's in Antichrist. In the Greek, the prefix anti, we think of that opposite of Christ or against Christ. But in the Greek, the prefix anti also means instead of instead of Christ we're not just speaking of something that's coming that's opposite to or against we're speaking of something that's looking at replacement instead of Christ we have you know that spirit of the Christ is already at work and, and the enemy we understand he takes on various forms we, you know people and I feel like I could go for another hour tonight just with stuff running through my head. But we, we got all these people, we got a trinity, you know, we got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and all this stuff. When what we really have is a great God Almighty whose spirit manifests itself in, in several different manners and ways. And the enemy does the same. We see in the New, in the New Testament Scripture, the book of Revelation, he's going to be seen through the dragon. He's going to be seen through the false prophet. And he's going to be seen through the beast. Now, do we got a Trinity devil? Nope. Just the same as you don't have a Trinity God. But he manifests himself. 
with roles and purposes in each of those, those, those factions for a reason and for a purpose at that time, for different reasons, just as the Lord did, came to us as a father, you know, for the purpose of being the creator of us and the son, then for the purpose of redeeming us and for the spirit, for the purpose of gardening, keeping us. Amen. I'm trying to see if I dotted my I's and crossed my T's. Amen. Brother Mason, can you come tonight? Because I feel the Holy Ghost. I know there's sometimes we just end just like petrified dry wood, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah in this place. I feel him in this place. And I feel like for us as a church body, the members of First Apostolic Church tonight, the Lord is trying to grab a hold of us and give us a little shaking right here. I feel like he's trying to give us a little shaking right here. Because I think some of us have walked the road and the line thinking about all this end of the world, end of time as something that is just, you know, it's always beyond. It's like, it's like the end of the finish line that's always still ahead. But I started, I, I, somehow I just messed up the nest tonight. And let you know that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. And I brought some real things that you've heard of in the news and that you can identify with that we've already changed some laws and we've separated from what we once was. And that's just not coincidence. That's the spirit of the Antichrist that's already at work. Folks, we must be ready. We got to be the church. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and no, you cannot do that within yourself. But if you have that spirit of Christ that dwells inside of you, He'll help you. He'll keep you. If you'll obey Him and submit and surrender to Him, He will help you. If there's still some mountains that you still need to cross, He'll help you get over them. But you're going to have to put forth that foot of effort. You're going to have to allow Him to get up underneath your arms and help carry you and help direct you and not reject that, not refute that. Hallelujah. These altars are open tonight. I wish. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.